Welcome back to another episode of the What We're Watching podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Jenny. And today we're talking about How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Which is the first rom-com we're covering in February. Yay. Happy rom-com month. Yay. (laughs) We have an update on our February review challenge. Yes, we got a review from Nikki Tab. This is a feel-good podcast. I love Y2K and millennial stuff. Love all the movies they cover. Great job, girlies. Thank you, Nikki. That's so nice. So as promised, for February, for all of the written reviews that we get on Apple, we're going to give you guys a recommendation of a fun rom-com to watch this month. So for Nikki, we're recommending a movie called This Means War. We tried to think of ones that like weren't the most obvious rom-coms that I feel like either we're going to cover or you guys have probably seen a hundred times. But this one is one of my all-time favorite rom-coms. It stars Reese Witherspoon, Chris Pine, and Tom Hardy in a love triangle. What you need to know is that Chris Pine and Tom Hardy are CIA agents and they're best friends. And Reese Witherspoon is involved. And it's really funny and it's really good. You can stream it on Hulu, but you can also rent it on a lot of different platforms. So I hope you like it. Yeah, thank you, Nikki. If you guys want us to recommend you a rom-com to watch in February, then make sure to leave us a written review on Apple. It needs to be written so that we, like, can catch your vibe. Like, for Nikki, we knew she would like the Y2K vibes of this. This is our favorite thing to do, so thank you for leaving the reviews. Yay. The logline for this movie is, An advice columnist, Andy Anderson, played by Kate Hudson, tries pushing the boundaries of what she can write about in her new piece about how to get a man to leave you in 10 days. Enter executive Ben Barry, Matthew McConaughey, who is so confident in his romantic prowess that he thinks he can make any woman fall in love with him in 10 days. When Andy and Ben meet, their plans backfire. I had never seen this movie before. I know. What did you think? Tell me everything. I enjoyed it so much. And usually when we're writing the outline for this, I like to go back to a movie and make sure I catch all of the lines and stuff. I ended up just rewatching the entire movie over again. So I watched it two days in a row. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's up there on my list of rom-coms. It was really good. Yeah, this is my favorite rom-com of all time, I think. Really? I just love the two of them together. And I love the story. I love that it's in New York. I love that she's a writer. I love that he's in advertising. It just like everything about it makes me happy. Yeah, this is like the early 2000s romanticizing the journalist jobs and the writing jobs. We Absolutely. talked about this before. Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> Working for a magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very sexy in this movie. It's fun. <laughs> this movie came out in 2003, and I didn't know this. It was based on a short picture book with the same name on the don'ts of dating. It's by Jeannie Long and Michelle Alexander. And that's actually the names of the two best friends in this movie, Jeannie and Michelle. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, so much about that is weird. The fact that it's this is based on a picture book is crazy. (laughs) But I love that the names of the friends are based on the friends that wrote the original book. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't think the reviews are very good on the book, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I looked on Amazon and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if the reviews on the movie are that great either, but I love it. Yeah, well, you guys voted for it, actually, and it won by a long shot. Yeah, I think a lot of people have the same, like, nostalgic feeling that I do towards this, which is that it was, like, such a go-to in high school for, like, sleepovers. Like, everybody loved it. And it's, like, it's not super serious. There's not really any sad parts. Like, I think Mm -hmm. with a lot of rom-coms, I feel like we end up getting sad, like, some sad parts where it's, like, a little bit more serious. And this one is just, like, very light and fluffy. Yeah. 
Agree. It's a good mood booster. And like the fashion in the movie is so good and the music in the movie is so good. I just love it. When had you seen it for the first time? Do you remember? I don't remember the exact time, but it must have been high school. Because I know that this was one of like me and my friends go-tos when we would have sleepovers. So it must have been at some point early high school. I don't know how I missed out on it. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. We really just have two main people to talk about, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey. So let's start with Kate. Andy Anderson. What a name. The names in this Andy Anderson and Benjamin Barry, I can't. Like, it's so on the (laughs) nose that they're fake names. It's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So Kate Hudson grew up on a ranch outside of Aspen, Colorado. Wow. Colorado girly. I had no idea. Like us. Uh, Yeah, obviously that's why I latched onto that information. I was like, oh, Colorado. She's used to riding four-wheelers and doing stuff like that because she grew up on a ranch. And so in the part of this movie where she is riding a motorcycle, that came a little bit more easily to her than I think it would have to somebody else. Sure. Gwyneth Paltrow was considered for the role. Wow. She was like an it girl of this time. I always forget that. She really was. I'm actually surprised that she wasn't in more rom-coms. Yeah, all of the 2000s movies we talk about, she was considered for the role. Mm-hmm. Legally Blonde. I'm trying to remember the other ones. Clueless, I think. Mm-hmm. I feel like we talk about her in almost every episode. <laughs> <laughs> but she's never actually been in the movies that we talk about. I guess she was seriously considered for this role, but then it took too long or something for contracts to be written up. I'm not exactly sure the details, mm-hmm. but she ended up taking a different role instead during that time. And Kate Hudson actually did a lot to prepare for this role. She spent a day shadowing Anna Wintour, who's the editor-in-chief at Vogue. Wow. Because she wanted to see what it was like to work at a magazine. And that's on being famous and having famous parents. (laughs) You can call up Anna Wintour and say, hey, would love to shadow you for a day. How about that? And she says, okay. Yeah, Megan, who are Kate Hudson's parents? (laughs) Well, at least her mom is very famous. Her mom is Goldie Hawn. And Goldie Hawn is actually married to Kurt Russell, which I didn't know for a long time. But if you guys don't know their faces, just look them up. You will recognize both of them. And she has a brother who I think was from her mom's first marriage. And then she has another brother who is Kurt Russell's son also. And the youngest brother, I think his name is Oliver, but that might be the middle brother. I can't remember. The youngest brother has been in a bunch of stuff. Like he was in, um, ooh, that show about the Mormons with... um, Andrew Garfield that I love, Under the Banner of Heaven, I think is what it's Yeah, called. I remember you liking that show, yeah. Such a good show. He's in that one. I think he's in a Marvel movie, which so is his dad. His dad, I think, plays Chris Pratt's dad, like the god figure that's funny. Oh, you're right, yeah. So anyway, yeah, her and her youngest brother specifically are in a bunch of movies. So yeah, famous family. Oh, uh, yeah. We love the Nepo babies here. We do. This is an aside, but I know you don't keep up with SNL too much, but Dakota Johnson was on SNL this past weekend, and she had a whole sketch that was about being a Nepo baby, and it was really funny. <laughs> or, like, that was the final joke, and so you have to watch it. I'll send it to you. Mm. <laughs> wow. And speaking of Gwyneth Paltrow, I feel like everybody is connected because Dakota Johnson is married to Gwyneth Paltrow's ex-husband. Well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Chris, wow. what's his face? Oh my God, my mom is rolling her eyes. He sings the song Yellow. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was written From about. From Coldplay? Yes, yes. The lead singer of Coldplay. 
<laughs> wow. Was married to Gwyneth Paltrow. Married, I think. I think that's like Apple's dad. I think that's who she was with for a long time. Chris Martin, that's his name. Because I think Yellow is written about Gwyneth Paltrow. Huh. And now he's married to Dakota Johnson. So anyway. <laughs> you just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's like four different worlds colliding. You're like... <laughs> Kate Hudson, Dakota Johnson, Gwyneth the guy Paltrow. from Coldplay. Everyone's connected. <laughs> <laughs> On the topic of celebrity relationships, Kate Hudson also used to date Dax Shepard, which I feel like is such a weird combo. Yeah. And it was before he was super famous. I think he was like coming off of punked because he talks about it being kind of like a pivotal moment in his life where he had just gotten out of a really long-term relationship with somebody that's not famous at all. I think he was with somebody for like nine or 10 years. And then he was starting to get famous and he started dating Kate. And I think it was Kate had a really young kid and she was really, really famous, like height of her fame. I think it was around the time of this movie. And he always says that it was just like difficult. And I feel like this honestly reads kind of misogynistic, but like difficult because she was so famous and he was like still working his way up in Hollywood that it was it was hard to like manage her fame and then him trying which is kind of ick but yeah I don't want to discredit that but it's giving Joe Alwyn and Taylor Swift it is it totally is no it totally is <laughs> interesting though we see more worlds colliding really mm -hmm. so in this movie a lot of Kate Hudson's lines were ad-libbed and she said she had a lot of fun with this role because she just got to go nuts in the scenes and I feel like you can really tell that in some scene so i love that i love that especially like yeah sometimes she's so cuckoo like yeah. her character is just so off the wall that i was just <laughs> thinking it must have been so hard to, for them to not crack up for her her and matthew because i feel like they're both kind of silly people yeah and so for her to be saying this crazy shit and for him to like have to take it so seriously i'm sure was really fun and funny it always impresses me in movies when I find out stuff is improv because I'm like, wow, and everyone just kept their cool and just went along with it. Mm -hmm. That's that's talent to me. Totally. Because like for me, I'm like, if you go off script, then I'm going to be like, hey, what are you doing, buddy? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't prep for that. <laughs> I know. And then I feel like a lot of people know this, but Kate Hudson started the activewear brand Fabletics. And she's written a couple books on health and lifestyle, so she's really into the health space. I had completely forgotten that Fabletics was her brand. I feel like they used to really market it as her brand, and then they kind of took a step back from that, maybe? Mm-hmm. No, that's totally right. Like, which is, I f feel like, speaks to the success of the brand, that it it's not viewed as, at least to me, it's not viewed as a, like, quote, celebrities brand anymore. Like, mm -hmm. the way that, like, Rode is Hailey Bieber's skincare. And, like, Rare Beauty is Selena Gomez's makeup line. Although I think Rare Beauty is sort of getting into that realm where just, like, people love it and it has nothing to do with her. And that's how Fabletics is. That's really cool. Yeah. And then we have Matthew McConaughey, who plays Ben Barry. Cute little name. So cute. <laughs> I love him. He's so cute, too. Oh, my gosh. Now, were you part of the Matthew McConaughey hype because you've seen this movie so long ago? I really like him. But, and we'll talk about this, but he stopped doing rom-coms right around, af right after this movie. I think it was right after this movie or shortly after this movie. And so I feel like probably the people that are a little bit older than us would have had it more because they would have been a little bit older when all of his rom-coms were coming out and like the height of his fame. And then I feel like we got more of the dramatic actor, Matthew McConaughey, but I've always really liked mm -hmm. him. Yeah. I've always heard the, like, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I never got it. I just never understood. And probably because I was too young. Mm. But rewatching this movie, I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Even though everybody loves Matthew McConaughey in this movie, the producer, Linda Obst, was actually worried that he'd be too old to play opposite Kate Hudson because she was 23 and he was 33. Hmm. Which I feel like happens in movies all the time. Yeah, I did not pick up on that age difference watching them. No, but it's so, especially of the time, to have a decade between your leading couple. I don't like it, but it's just normal. Yeah, I feel like that just shows how conditioned we are to be like, older man, younger woman, hell yeah. Because I did, it went so over (laughs) my head. Also, this also just makes me lol that... Kate is supposed to be this, like, successful journalist with her own column in this magazine, and she shadowed Anna Wintour to, like, get the feel for the job <laughs> when she's 23, which means she's she actually would have been, like, getting coffee at a yeah. magazine. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Whatever. I, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, I think they're trying to, like, make her 26 or something. Yeah. But anyway, when the producer was worried about the age difference... Kate Hudson was like, I'm married to a 36-year-old, and it's not like he's ancient. (laughs) (laughs) And I forgot she was married to someone. She had a very big age gap with him while filming this movie. I don't think I knew that. I can't remember who it was. Mm. Matthew McConaughey bought himself a motorcycle for this role, and he said he wanted to get really comfortable on it because he's seen too many people ride motorcycles or ride horses in films where he's like, you don't really ride a horse. You don't really ride a motorcycle. (laughs) And so he wanted it to seem natural, which it did in this movie. It really did. I feel like he's just, (laughs) I was about to say, I feel like he's just like so rugged, but that's not true. He's like so pretty, but like he lives in Austin, Texas. And I think he lives out like on a lake, at like a big lake house, which I feel like is not something you hear from celebrities a lot. I feel like usually they live in LA or New York. But he's married to Camilla Alves, I think is her name. I feel like she's a model, but they're very cute and they have a bunch of kids. I think they have like four kids maybe. Oh, wow. And he's also a professor at uh, UT Austin. He like teaches film classes. Bye. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. So, yeah, I feel like he's just, he's had like a really interesting path personally because of all of that and then also professionally in his book he talks about how he didn't want to be the rom-com guy and so he did a bunch of these rom-coms like he did this one he did that one with jennifer lopez he just yeah he that's like what he was becoming known for and he quit he just said i'm done doing rom-coms like told his agent told his manager and like basically left hollywood because he was like i'm not taking any roles for rom-coms anymore I read that he turned down a $14.5 million contract. Wow. Because he was like, I'm not bluffing. (laughs) I'm not doing it. And so he like talks about in his book how he just had to come to terms with the fact that he might not work again because he didn't get a call for another audition for a year and a half after that. Wow. But then he got Lincoln Lawyer. And then I think right after that, he got Dallas Buyers Club and he won the Best Actor Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. Which was, like, very, very different, obviously, than anything else he had done, so... Wow, yeah. It worked. Good for him. Yeah. Have you read his book? No, but Brian did, and he lo- he loves Matthew McConaughey. And so I feel like I've heard a lot of the tidbits. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I would love to. I would love to listen to it, because I think he narrates it, and he has such a good voice. 
Yes, I love a celebrity memoir audiobook. Mm-hmm. It's the best. Same. I heard Matthew McConaughey on an interview during this press tour saying that this is a chick flick, but it's for guys as well. Wow. <laughs> he says, I got your back on this one. You're okay. <laughs> I can't. Like essentially saying, hey guys, this one's safe for men. And I was like, I don't know, is it? Because I don't think Robert would like this movie, but maybe. Okay, try it, though, because Brian loves this movie. Okay, I'll try it. Like, he watched (laughs) it by himself on the plane back from London a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Because I was, like, trying to get him to watch it with me because I thought he would want to. And he was like, oh, we just watched that. And I was like, no, literally haven't seen this in years. And he was like, oh, maybe I just watched it. And I was like, where did you watch it? Because you have to rent it. And he was like... I must have just watched it on the plane like a week ago. So he likes it. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. But he loves Matthew. So, well, I think the middle of this movie where it just gets off the rails, I think that is so much fun. Mm. And this really isn't like a sappy rom com. It's a fun one. Yeah. Okay. Should we get into the movie? Yeah. So the movie opens by showing issues of Composure magazine. And it has articles like how to feng shui your apartment and how to talk your way out of a ticket written by Andy Anderson. And then we see Andy putting herself in those situations for her articles. So she's redecorating her apartment. She's getting pulled over by a cop. And then at the Composure office in New York City, Andy shows her coworker Jeannie an article that she wrote on how to bring peace to Tajikistan. And Jeannie says that it's great, but it won't get into the magazine. And Andy's like... But I want to write about things that matter. And this is like a thread throughout the entire movie. But Jeannie tells her if she just keeps busting her butt, she'll get there and she'll be able to write whatever she wants. And then we find out that Andy has two tickets to the next night's NBA finals because she's been flirting with this sports illustrator editor. (laughs) (laughs) So this is where we learn that Andy really likes sports, which will also be a thread throughout. And so she asks her friend Jeannie to come with her, who says, all right, but I'm not putting out. And Kate Hudson says... Two stale jumbo dogs, you'll be whistling a different tune. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah, I really liked the banter back and forth between friends in this movie. It was a little different than what I'm used to in a rom-com. It was good. Yeah, me too. I think that's why this feels less sappy, because we do see so much of each character's full life, mm-hmm. like on their own. And it gives just like, because it is, it just gives like early stages of dating when people are just like, nervous and seeing each other casually and you know they do weird things and they talk about it with their friends you know it's less like serious deep immediately in love you know yeah so then we find out that there's a staff meeting starting in 30 minutes and their friend michelle isn't at work yet and Jeannie says it's andy's turn to go get her so you can tell this is a a thing that happens a lot and then we see ben matthew mcconaughey riding his motorcycle through the new york city streets And he runs into his fellow advertising executive, Judy Spears, who's reading Composure magazine. And he makes some quip about it being like a women's magazine or something. He kind of says mean things about that magazine the whole time, I feel like, in this movie. But she says that she and their other partner, Judy Green, have an appointment at Composure because a lot of their clients run ads there. And it's the fastest growing magazine in the country. And there's very competitive energy between him and Judy. So then we see Andy showing up at Michelle, who's played by Catherine Hahn's apartment. And Michelle is just sobbing about this breakup that she just had with a guy that she only dated for the last week and a half. (laughs) 
I saw that in Katherine Hahn's chemistry read audition with Kate Hudson, her phone rang and Katherine Hahn tried to play it off and like stay in character by answering it. But she was mortified that she didn't put her phone on silent for the audition. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I would be terrified. I'm surprised she answered it. I'm surprised she still got it. Yeah, I guess she just was like, oh, I can't ignore that. I have to act like it's my character. Yeah, So I guess that's probably pretty smart instead of being like, oh, I'm so sorry, like breaking out of character, turning it off. Let me start and over. Starting over, yeah. I guess that works, but that's kind of also a bold move. <laughs> yeah. And then back to Ben, we're at his ad agency's office, and he's super excited about the prospect of working for the diamond company, DeLauer instead of his usual sneakers and beer companies, because if he represents them, then he'll represent the entire industry. And he changes shirts in his office, and all of the women in the office are watching. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And his friends Tony and Thayer say that the boss Warren has already given the project to the Judys, Spears and Green. And they say that they're meeting at Mullins, which is this classy bar, to discuss their ideas that night. And Ben decides immediately that he is going, because he wants this project this is just like the male audacity i feel like the audacity (laughs) actually you're right i want the judies to have it yeah team judies (laughs) i was thinking that this whole movie where i'm like he wants this expensive luxury jewelry account but he's you know specializes in like the sports and beer section like that is insane for him to get it over these women who do specialize in luxury but yeah whatever (laughs) So Andy is at Michelle's apartment and helping her like change and she brought her a bunch of samples from the office and this like nice green cashmere sweater and as she's helping Michelle get ready Michelle is just like still distraught and as they're walking into the office Michelle says that the first time that her and Mike her ex had sex she cried and said that she loved him and you can tell that Andy and Jeannie are just like so freaked out (laughs) that she did that and then Michelle was like, yeah, he started getting really busy and started ignoring my calls. And she acts like that's insane. And anyway, it's just it's just funny. And we see the other girls just be like, yeah, if anybody did that, the guy would run away. So it's not that it's you. It's just that you're doing these crazy things, basically. Yeah. And then at the work meeting, Andy says that she has a political piece and she gets immediately shot down by the boss, Lana. And Lana says that when Andy turns her column into a must read, She can write whatever she wants. So Andy is really going to hold on to this. Mm -hmm. Michelle hasn't written her piece yet because she's been too upset from getting dumped. And Lana tells her to write about that. And Michelle's like, I don't want to use my personal life for a story. And Lana goes, okay, who wants to use Michelle's personal life for a story? (laughs) (laughs) To save Michelle from having this other girl write about her, Andy says she'll do it. And her idea is to write an article about the things that women do wrong while dating and she'll test it herself by dating a guy and driving him away using classic mistakes like Michelle. So she won't actually be using Michelle's personal life. She'll just be inspired by it. Mm -hmm. And Lana goes, how to lose a guy in 10 days and tells her to start immediately Mm -hmm. on the way out of the meeting. The Judy's show up for their advertising appointment and Lana introduces them to Andy telling them about her new article and the experiment that she'll be doing. So now both Judys know the situation. Mm-hmm. And so that night, the girls go to Mullins, the classy bar, so that Andy can find a guy to write her article about. And Ben simultaneously shows up at the bar and crashes the meeting with his boss and the Judys. And everybody obviously is surprised to see him there. 
he tries to convince Warren, his boss, that he's the best fit for the Delauer pitch, which is the jewelry company. And the Judy try to do the same. So it's just like this big argument about who is better suited. And Ben makes a comment that the skills required to market diamonds are the same that you need to make a woman fall in love, which he says he can do anywhere and anytime, which again, <laughs> the audacity is insane here. <laughs> but I believe him. I believe him too. It's because it's Matthew McConaughey. I think it works. <laughs> and so then Judy Spears notices Andy in the bar and is like, do you want to prove that, Ben? And they make a bet that if Ben can make a girl fall in love with him by the time of their like work party that's happening in 10 days, then he gets the account. And so they say, you know, like, we're not trying to trick you, Ben. We'll just pick a random girl in this bar, which they are trying to trick him because they pick Andy. And the reason they pick Andy is because they know that Andy's about to try to drive a guy away. So I think it'll be impossible for Ben to actually win. Just a crazy premise. Mm -hmm. Just wild. But I love it. So in the bar, Ben approaches Andy and they immediately have this chemistry and this banter back and forth. And he asks if she's hungry and she goes to grab dinner with him. And before leaving, she tells her friends that she'll hook him and act normal until tomorrow night, which is when she'll flip the switch. So they leave for dinner on his motorcycle. And I don't know if I interpreted it correctly, but how I interpreted this is she was like, I have to get on that. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't want to get on the motorcycle. I think that's right. But she needs to hook him. So she's just totally pretending that she's fine with it. And then they get a lobster dinner, which was just such a weird choice. Mm -hmm. And again, I was like, does she hate this? I feel like she does right now, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just projecting. <laughs> <laughs> and they poke fun at each other's jobs. And she tells him that she has a master's in journalism from Columbia and if she does it her boss's way for a while, she can write about what she wants. And so then after dinner, they go back to his place and start making out. And it's this weird back and forth where they're making out and one of them stops and is like, we need to take it slow. We need to slow down. And the other one is like, I need you to respect me. And it's just like, it's kind of weird, but it's also <laughs> kind of funny. And anyway, they both agree that they don't want to move too fast. And so she leaves. And as she's walking out, he waves to her from his fire escape while she's getting in the taxi. And he says to himself, you are already falling in love with me. And she says to herself, I'm going to make you wish you were dead. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I cackled, like laughed out loud at that part. It was so funny. Yeah. Love her. And then at work the next day, Ben shows his friends that Andy left her purse at his place. And he doesn't want to rifle through it and be rude. So the boys knock it over so that he has to clean it up and see what's inside. And they find the Knicks tickets. I feel like this is the part, too, where Ben is like, yeah, I think she purposely wanted me to see what's inside her purse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she totally did. Yeah, they're playing this weird game. So Ben sends 100 roses to Andy. And she knows that this means he found the tickets. He immediately calls her office. And he says she's not going to the game with someone else anymore. She's going with him. And it's very flirty. It doesn't feel pushy. And obviously, that's what she wants him to say. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, up until now, it's actually so cute. Like, I actually love their kind of, like, bantery, sort of making fun of each other in a flirty way relationship. I really like it. Does that exist anymore? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it would just be irritating, probably. I think so. But if, like, you, if that was your personality, it I think it works because they both have such similar personalities. And you can tell that's how they are with everybody. Yeah. They're just quick-witted. So in that case, yeah. Okay, so then they go to the Knicks game, and Ben is, you can tell, very impressed by how into the game 
Andy is because he's a big sports guy. And then to see this woman just like screaming at the ref, I think just like makes him happy. Mm -hmm. They do the kiss cam. And then towards the end of the game, you can tell Andy, she calls it flipping the switch to like basically crazy town to like make him do crazy (laughs) things to try to drive him away. So with a minute left in the game, she asks Ben to go get her a drink. Which Brian came up to the TV as this part was happening, and he goes, this is the worst thing she does in the entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of agree. Yeah. And so in the last minute of the game, she gets him to go get her a drink, and then he comes back with a Coke with no ice. And then she goes, oh, but it's not diet. It's not diet. I really need diet. (laughs) So then he has to run back to get her diet, and he ends up missing the end of the game. I hated that. I hated that so much. I was like, if I were him, I'd be like, all right. New girl. Yeah. It's like a first date. But like, that's why it works because she has to drive him away and he has to make it work because he needs this to to like land his pitch. So. Mm -hmm. So the next day she calls him during a work meeting and she baby talks him and calls him Benny Boo Boo. Boo Boo Boo. I think she (laughs) keeps it going. (laughs) And that night they go see Sleepless in Seattle and she talks the entire time and accuses him of thinking about another girl. And she's like, you can't watch Meg Ryan for two hours and not be thinking about another girl. And this part was ad-libbed, actually, which I think oh, is so funny. That is funny. Good job, Kate Hudson. That's an iconic line. Mm-hmm. And the guy behind them is getting so pissed off. He keeps telling her to shut up. And even though Ben is annoyed with her, too, he stands up for her and he gets in a fist fight with the guy. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, you can tell, like, even though some crazy stuff has happened, Ben is still into her. And sh- she's kind of into him, too. Like, they're kind of talking about how much fun they're having with their co-workers. Mm-hmm. And so Ben invites Andy over to watch the Knicks game and have dinner at his place. And while he's cooking, she is walking around his apartment, like, decorating it with stuffed animals and, like, pink doilies <laughs> and all of the stuff, which is hilarious. This is where she gets in the iconic love fern, which represents their new relationship growing. And then they sit down for dinner and he brings over this plate of lamb that you can tell is like probably his like signature dish move that he cooks for dates and probably took him a long time to make. And she starts crying, singing Mary had a little lamb and says that she's (laughs) actually vegetarian. (laughs) But she's definitely not. She we just saw her eat like a bacon hamburger at lunch. But this is why I think they did the lobster scene in the beginning, because, like, feasibly she could be a pescatarian Mm because he's only ever seen her eat seafood. So anyway. I'd be so pissed off at her. And I am a vegetarian. But it's like, if someone's cooking you dinner, you disclose it first. Totally. So this is perfect. (laughs) I feel like you can see in her brain, like, the wheels turning where she's like, this is too nice. I need to do something crazy. And she comes up with it in the moment. Yeah. So they end up leaving his place, ditching the meal, and going to this vegetarian restaurant and miss the game. But then during dinner, while they're at this vegetarian restaurant, which Ben is sitting there chewing and saying this is for cows, like just making comments, (laughs) Andy is like running back to the kitchen to like eat a burrito and talk to the kitchen staff and watch the game from the back kitchen, which is just kind of like funny to watch because she's just putting him through hell for no reason. Mm Mm-hmm. And then back at Ben's house, Andy accidentally lets on that she knows what happened in the game. And he's like, how did you know he was going to miss that shot? And to distract him, she crazily tries to seduce him. And she calls his penis Princess Sophia, (laughs) which throws him off. And he's like, you have to say something masculine, like Kroll the Warrior King. And he gives like a whole bunch of other options. And even though he doesn't want to, he does ask to see her tomorrow. 
And she's so surprised that her crazy isn't working on him. She's like, what is wrong with this guy? Mm -hmm. So then the next day, Andy shows up to his work with a Chinese crested dog that she got for him, which she named Curl the Warrior King. (laughs) And the dog is wearing this like bandana that's this like beige plaid and it matches Andy's outfit and she brings a shirt for Ben that matches. I think one of his coworkers makes a comment about them being a cute little beige family. <laughs> and Kroll pees on the pool table in his office and just like immediately a disaster. Like also that is a psychotic thing to do. To get someone a dog? <laughs> yeah. And she does leave it with him the whole movie. I thought like she just I was like did she borrow this dog from someone? Like what is she doing? <laughs> yeah. So she does more stuff that he hates, like calling and leaving a ton of voicemails or photoshopping what their future kids will look like and making this entire book of their family and memories that they haven't had yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also calling and befriending his mom to get those pictures, moving all her pads and Vagisil into his bathroom cabinet. (laughs) Which makes him scream, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. And then finally, I think like the the big one is she lets on that she has tickets to another Knicks game, but actually it's a Celine Dion concert mm-hmm. and he has to go and he wears this like baby pink tee. Yeah. So I think it's the next day at work. She's talking to her friends and she's like, nothing is going to crack this guy because she's done so she's done everything she can think of. And he's still so committed to seeing her every day. And then her friends ask her what she's doing that night. And she says, oh, no, he's having a boys night. And they say, you're going to let him have a boys' night? He had a boys' night before he met you, but not anymore. (laughs) And so she shows up to the boys' night with a key to his apartment, which she gets from his super. And, like, this is where she comes unglued, I feel. Because she's, like, running around his apartment. She's upset about their love for and dying. She's, like, making him blow his nose to, like, check his mucus. And, like, (laughs) she's taking pizza out of his friend's mouth. To feed him like cucumber sandwiches that she brought. It's just insane. Yeah, a lot of this was improv from Kate Hudson. That's so funny to me that she was just, she just got to go absolutely nuts here. <laughs> yeah. Just be unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> that also must have been so like hilarious because it is just this room of men smoking cigars and then she's running around being just the pinnacle of like this behavior. Yeah. And so they have a big fight about the love for him specifically. And they end up breaking up, or, like, mostly breaking up. She's like, haven't you had enough? And he's like, yes. And then he, like, calls her a one-woman circus or something. And we're left to assume that they're breaking up. And she gets in the elevator and leaves. And then his friends are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have four more days. Just suggest couples therapy. That always buys us extra time with our wives. (laughs) Whatever. It's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. So he jumps down the fire escape and catches her before she leaves. and. She's so confused. Like, why will this guy not let me go? I don't understand. But she agrees to couples therapy and she says, I know a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Which is one of my favorite parts. They show up to Michelle's apartment and Michelle is acting like the couples therapist. She has these huge glasses on. Uh And you can just see like her and Andy making faces at each other the whole time. And so for the most part, she sides with Andy and they kind of gang up on Ben. But then Michelle suggests that Andy goes to meet his family in Staten Island. And Andy is not happy about this. But Michelle thinks it's funny. Matthew McConaughey did say recently that this was one of his favorite, most memorable scenes. And that when they were reading the script, it just leapt off the page. 
And Kate Hudson said it was so funny and that the best part about the scene was that she didn't have to hide her laughter. She could kind of use it to play into the scene, which I think is funny. That's like what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. How do they not laugh? And I just love Catherine Hahn and she is so funny and has gone on to do so many comedic things. So I feel like this was Mm -hmm. a good kind of start to that. Right. So they get to Ben's family house in Staten Island and she meets his whole family, like his siblings, their spouses, all of his nieces and nephews and his parents. And you can tell she's just like immediately back to her normal self. It's like, you're not going to act the way that she's been acting in front of his family because it's fake, you know? Yeah. And she goes out back and they're playing the card game bullshit. And Andy is really good at it, mostly because his family is like helping her cheat to beat him, which I think is really (laughs) cute and funny. And you can just tell everybody really likes her. And we find out that she's the first girl he's ever brought home. Yeah, I love this part. I also love that game. That card game Mm -hmm. is my jam. (laughs) Yeah. So Ben and Andy hang out in Staten Island. He teaches her how to drive his motorcycle and they're having a good time. Like they've completely dropped the act. They're kind of connecting and then they get sprayed with water by a truck and Andy successfully drives them back to his family's house and Ben shows Andy how to use the shower and then they start making out and this time it's genuine. Mm -hmm. This scene was very romantic. I was like, wow, I'm so surprised that a movie that had them pitted against each other the entire time, then made me be like, in a moment, I was like, yep, they're meant to be together. This is perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is my favorite part of the whole movie, I think, the whole Staten Island thing, like her meeting the family. Because it's the first time we really see them, except for their first date at the lobster place, be themselves. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, it's just, and I love the, the song that plays, what's it called? Feels Like Home. Yeah. The song is playing and they shower together. It's, uh, I just love it. It's so cute. And then when they get back to New York, Ben asks Andy to come to the Delowers Diamond Party, which is on the 10th day they've been dating. And he tells her to not make any plans for day 13 because he got them more Knicks tickets. And you can tell that they both have genuine feelings at this point, And they both kind of feel bad about what's going on. But they're also both committed to it. But at the same time, they're like making plans for after... You know, technically, both of their, like, bets are up. Mm -hmm. It just makes me feel for them because I want them to be together. Me too. At the same time, though, I am like, wow, after all of the crazy things that she did, you're still into her? Like, I guess he just thinks there's, like, the Andy that he likes and then there's the Andy that's unhinged. (laughs) Yeah. He keeps being like, where's that Andy that I first met? So maybe he's just holding on to like that aspect and maybe he realizes the other aspect isn't really her. But I don't know. I was like, after all of that, for you to just let go and be like, oh, I actually am into her. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And I always it's hard for me to realize the time that's happening here. Like the fact that they are only it's been a week and a half. Yeah. And all of this has happened. I feel like most people, yeah, would just be like, this is crazy. I'm doing this for a bit and then I'm going to ghost this person. Yeah. (laughs) But I think you're right. I think he just like. Not that he knows that there's a bet going on, but, like, he definitely feels the dissonance between who she normally is and then this, when she's trying to get a rise out of him. Mm-hmm. So then Andy goes to work and she tries to get out of writing the article, but her boss, Lana, won't let her. So then Ben and Andy go to the diamond party together. This is where she's wearing the iconic yellow dress. I love this dress. Loved. Loved it. I love it. And Mr. DeLauer at the party insists that Andy wear a diamond necklace called the Isadora Diamond, which is gorgeous. I feel like you don't see a lot of yellow dresses in movies, really, at all. I can only think of Beauty and the Beast right now. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I think that's why it was so iconic. Mm-hmm. No, you're totally right. I think if it had been like red or black, I don't think people would have paid as much attention. Mm-mm. And then Warren, Ben's boss, says that Andy looks like she's in love and he goes to find out if she is. And he tells her there isn't a diamond in the room that sparkles like a woman in love. And she denies it, but then realizes it's true and Warren can tell. And so then he goes back to Ben and he's like, she loves you. You can pitch. And Ben's not excited about the pitch anymore. He's like, she loves me. I know. (laughs) That's very cute. It's very cute. And so the Judys are just like, oh, no, no. This is the opposite of what was supposed (laughs) to happen. And so they go up to Thera and Tony and tell them that Andy knew about the bet the whole time and went along with it so that she would win. And they do this so that the boys go up to Andy and talk to her about it to try to blow the whole thing. And so the Judys say that they're going to go to Warren and say that Ben cheated and then Thera and Tony go up to Andy and tell Andy to act like she really loves Ben and that she didn't know about the bet. So obviously this is what tells Andy about the bet. And then she's upset. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, Andy's boss Lana is telling Ben all about Andy's article, not knowing that he's the one that she was dating. Mm-hmm. So they both have learned everything now. So Warren introduces the composer and EGOT, which is Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony winning Marvin Hamlish. And I didn't know, but that's really him. Wow. He's going to play a song on the piano. But Andy takes the mic and she introduces Ben and says he's prepared a song for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then he throws her back under the bus by telling everyone that they're singing a duet. And Ben makes Marvin play You're So Vain. And they start singing it angrily at each other. And it's out of tune, even though I'm pretty sure Kate Hudson can sing. <laughs> and then they change the lyrics to try and confront each other for what they've done. And then Ben follows Andy out of the party and security chases them out to take the Isadora necklace back from Andy because she's totally forgotten about it. And Ben says something like, you wanted to lose a guy in 10 days. Guess what? You just lost him. And she says, no, I didn't because you can't lose something you never had. And she walks away and it is very sad. Mm -hmm. It is really sad. Also so unhinged, though. Like, watching her get up on stage at his work party (laughs) to make him come sing a song. I was like, this is... I would have never thought to do this. I would have just left. To make this famous composer play a song. Yeah. (laughs) And totally steal the spotlight away from him. Absolutely unhinged. (laughs) So the next day back at Andy's office, Lana, Andy's boss, says that her piece came out even better than she expected. And now she's free to write anything. So this is like the moment Andy's been waiting for. And Andy asks if she can write about politics, religion, economics. And Lana says, no. And there's this like analogy that she's using, like write about wherever the wind blows you or something. And then Andy asks if she can write about all those things. And Lana's like, the wind's not going to blow you there. Think of it more as a light breeze. (laughs) She says she can write about shoes or diets or whatever. And Andy says, thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for making it easy for me to turn down. And she leaves. I was like, girl, what do you think? Are you thinking that you're going to change the entire magazine? I know. I thought the same thing where I'm just like, I'm sad for her, but also like to think that that meant that you could write about politics feels like a stretch. (laughs) It's just not on brand Mm -mm. for the magazine, unfortunately. Yeah. So Andy and Ben don't end up going to that Knicks game on day 13. Instead, Andy is at Michelle's and Michelle gets a knock on the door. And it's Mike, the guy who broke up with her in the beginning, and he shows up and wants her back. Yeah, it's cute. (laughs) Andy's article comes out, and Tony tells Ben, Tony is Ben's work friend, 
Tony tells him that he really needs to read it. And Ben reads it and finds out that it's about how she lost the only guy she's ever fallen for. And that this is her last article for composure. Wow. I got so happy here. I know. And Ben shows up at Andy's work, but Jeannie and Michelle tell him that she's on her way to an interview in Washington. So he grabs the love fern. (laughs) I love that he brings the love fern. (laughs) I know. Sees her getting into a taxi and chases her down on his motorcycle through the New York City streets. Very dangerous. And then she does spot him when he catches up to them. She gets the taxi to pull over on the middle of a bridge. And he asks if what she wrote is true. And she says she meant every word. She says that Washington is the only place she can write about what she wants to. And he calls bullshit and says that she's running away. This I actually didn't love watching it back. Yes, because I was like... If she wants to go to D.C. to write about politics for her career, she can do that. Although I guess I understand his point that, like, she lives in New York City. So, like, she can absolutely write about politics (laughs) in New York City. And she is definitely running away. So, I don't know. It just felt, it felt very romantic and I liked it. But also it felt very, like, bro, let her go to this job interview, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I think you're right about that. That I think it was not about the location. It was about her running away because she could totally get... A job in New York City as a journalist. Yeah. When she was like, it's the only place I can write what I want to. I'm like, no. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. No, that's fair. So Ben gets the taxi driver to take her luggage back to her place because she has alternate transportation, aka his motorcycle, and they kiss. And she sees the love fern and calls him Benny Boo Boo Boo. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's this joke because they both know what was going on. And that's how it ends. This was so cute. Oh my gosh. I don't know how I missed out on it, but thank you guys so much for voting on this one for us to do because you made me watch it. I know. I'm really glad you guys picked this one. It was a perfect start to the rom-com month on the pod. Yep. Rom-coms and romances. Mm -hmm. Get ready for them. Yeah, buckle up. And don't forget to leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts if you like this episode, and we will match you with a rom-com for you to watch this month. Yay. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow the pod on social media, you can find us at What We're Watching Pod on Instagram and TikTok. We love talking to you guys over there. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.